0: Hello and welcome into the Nittany Gritty podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. I am your host, John Sauber, joined, as always, by Penn State legend Tim Fraser. Tim, how's it going? It's going
1: all right. We have some new things happening our way uh, in the Penn State world, so I'm excited to be able to talk about that. I'm excited to see what's, what's going to come in the next couple of days and next couple of weeks for the program.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a lot, right? Like listen, I know I bitch and moan a lot about how much I'm working and everything. It's my favorite thing to do. Like I love my job, <laughs> but I think I love bitching about my job even more than doing the job. Uh but this week has been hectic. It's been fun. Uh it is it's a it's a weird time, right? Uh Micah shrewsbury was here for two years, was like a, a comet sort of, like had this massive yeah. impact. Uh and obviously he's already gone and moved on to Notre Dame and Penn State, you know. Less than a week later, has a has a new head coach in place in uh, VCU, former VCU head coach now, uh, Mike Rhodes, who was uh, has had a lot of success at VCU, has had a lot of success uh, when he was at Rice. Not as much, but you know you could tell that the the makings were there to to sort of move forward and become a better program when he spent two years there, and before that, like we were talking about before we recorded. Everyone remembers those shock of smart VCU teams, and right. Rhodes was the associate head coach for those teams. And his teams play pretty much the same way, right? That one-two-one-one havoc press that they call it uh, is still there. They turn teams over all the time. They are frenetic and fast-paced and fun. Uh, there is obviously a ton to unpack anytime a new head coach gets hired. Uh, there's there's a lot to work through here, but I'm curious first because you. We, we've talked a lot about the parallels between this team and the 2011 team that you were on, right? This past year's team, and the 2011 team, you make the NCAA tournament. You have a lot of success that year. Your coach leaves, right? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a reset for the program. What do you remember about like that, that period from when Ed was not there? Like, so when it was kind of vacant until Pat Chambers got hired as the head coach.
1: Um, It, it was, it was crazy, you know, mm-hmm. as someone's, 19 20 years old at the time maybe 21 i'm not sure but you know you go through these stages where when the coach leaves then you're sitting there just like why did he leave what happened you know and you kind of start to think the what is so what did you know what was the reasoning for it and this and this. so you're, you're focusing on that and then after you get past that now it's like okay what do i who's the new coach is the new coach gonna want me here Am I going to be able to fit in his system? You know, because I was recruited by this old coaching staff, and now we're bringing in somebody totally different. And who knows what's that going to bring for me? Am I in the plans for them in their in their team in their future? Um, so you you go from there to there, and then finally they they hire a new coach, and then you now you have now you see you have that meeting to see what well, hey am I am I part of this fit that you want? Uh, do I need to go into the transfer portal now, or is this the right thing for me? Or can I work on the roads now as the new coach? And still be effective and still chase my dream of playing basketball.
0: Yeah, and that's what's what's really interesting here, I think, is Mike Rhodes is coming into a situation. You mentioned the transfer portal, where there are three guys on scholarship on the roster that are not in the transfer portal right now. It's Demetrius Lilly, Kanye Clary, and Kebajai. That's it. Evan Mahaffey and Jameel Brown both went in the transfer portal uh between now and the last time you and I talked. Uh I think both of those were ones that I kind of expected. Um, you know, Jameel is from Philly. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him wholly open things up. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Temple with uh, Fish. And, by the way, uh, congrats. To, we talked a lot about Adam yes. Fisher last episode. Congrats, to Adam Fisher, for getting the uh, Temple head coaching job. I think that's well-earned, well-deserved. Um, you know, and I know it's it'll be nice for him to go back close to home still. Uh, but I think Brown could be a, a candidate to follow him there potentially. Mahaffey, uh, you know, who I, I spoke to after he – he left. He said is he's leaving it wide open, even potentially coming back. Um, I have no reason not to believe him, quite frankly. Uh we'll see what happens there. I do think like if I had to guess, Notre Dame is probably the leader in the clubhouse just because of the ties to Shrewsbury, just because right. of the ties to people that were on staff there that will be going there as well. Um but I think right now it's kind of you know, you mentioned the meetings and stuff that that you had uh with, with Pat when he first got there. I think this time is so crucial for Mike Rhodes because you got three guys there and two of them were huge contributors by the end of the season, right? Kanye Clary and Keba Jai were two guys. You could pencil Keba in as a starter this coming year if he's back and you could pencil him in whether that was Shrewsbury or whoever else as long as he's on the roster. And Kanye Clary looked like he was going to be the lead ball handler for this coming team. You got to keep those guys or you at least got to try do whatever you can to keep those guys, right? Uh, Kanye uh, went to high school in Virginia, I think. He has a prior relationship with Rhodes, which I would assume would help. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen on Keba. He hasn't entered the portal yet, which I think is a good sign for Penn State. Uh, I would assume he wants to hear Rhodes out before that happens. Uh, watch me say that, and then by the time we're done recording, I'm sure people <laughs> have entered or something like that. Uh, but no, I think, you know, he's willing to to hear him out. Uh, would not be surprised if he follows Shrewsbury to Notre Dame as well. I, I think that's that's a definite possibility. It is for all these guys, right? They They yeah. follow their coaches, but... I think those meetings are, are crucial right now uh, mm-hmm. for Mike Rhodes and trying to keep those guys and Demetrius Lively too. Like as a culture driver, someone who showed some upside last year, didn't play a ton, but but it was always going to be a longer term project for him. Um, could be a potential good rim protector and floor spacer down the road. The flip side of that, of course, is there are guys playing at VCU or who played at VCU that may want to do what these guys want to do. Right? Mm-hmm. They want to follow. They may want to follow their head coach. And I'm curious. I know. I mean, it, it's different when it's you're going from Penn State to Navy, like with Ed. Yeah. Was there ever any thought with you to potentially being like, OK, Ed went to Navy? I'm gonna. Go. I, and again, I, I know that Navy is a very different institution compared to everything else. But was there ever a thought of, OK, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow an assistant or I'm going to go any, anywhere else?
1: Um, You know, obviously you have to think about that, but I don't know necessarily about I think it's different when the times when I was there because it wasn't a transfer part. So if I did yeah. leave that, obviously I was going to have to sit out of year. you know, at the time, I think I, you know, I think you, you have the exceptions, but you know, obviously you have to go through the appeal and see if NCAA gives you that appeal and be able to play. And right the NCAA,
0: away. by the way, was just either handing out exceptions like candy or rejecting them for people who had really good reasons. So exactly. as long as you didn't have a good reason, you probably could have gotten it accepted at that
1: point. Yeah. So at that time, it, it, you know, that was crazy, you know, just to figure out. But, you know, yeah, the thought definitely crossed my mind. First off, being from Houston, you know, and now I had the chance, you know, obviously there were schools that were closer to home. Like, hey, we want you to come, you know, I mean, this and this and that. And for me, you know, okay, yeah, I have a chance to be closer to home, still play, but I, like I said last weekend when we talked about this, it was more so about, hey, adversity, had hit, and I wasn't going to run from it. You know, I, when I was a freshman, I didn't start in the beginning, and I was upset about that, and I wasn't playing, and then, you know, I, and eventually, that changed. You know, am say we make the run in 2011, where I'm starting. And, and just when adversity hit, I was just always like, "Hey, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna run through it. I'm gonna take it right head on." Like I said last week, here, like just the same thing happened. When head left, Pat comes, and I'm like, "Hey, I don't really know much about Pat. All I know is he was he was coming. From, he was at BU. He was under Jay Wright at Villanova. You know, he had you know Pat Selling Point was, "Hey, man, I didn't coach pro guards. I've coached Carolina. I've coached all those great guards from Villanova." You know, and and that was something that I really intrigued me. It held, it held me responsible. Like, hey, I want to be another point guard like those guys because those guys make tremendous careers professionally and in college as well. So did the thought cross my mind? Yes. And you know what I mean? And you, you sit down, you think about the pros and cons, you weigh it all. You talk to your family, you see what's best for you. But at the end of the day, the decision is, is, was mine and the decision was it's going to be for these, these kids to decide what they want to do. Um, I think the transfer portal, like I've been saying, it makes it easier now, but... You have to just fill out what you think is best for you, and sometimes it is best to go follow Sue Barry Notre Dame. It is best to go in the transfer portal. It is best for those guys from VCU to follow coach, you know. And, and, but you have to make the right decision, and you can't just go just based off, hey, you know what, this is what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do, and uh, and I'm credit to those guys that have haven't went into the portal because like you know why not hear Coach Rose out and see what see what his plan would be for them.
0: Yeah, and and I think you, you hit the nail on the head with with one part of that, especially there, and that you. I think you'd be doing a disservice to yourself not to sit down and think about all of the options, right? right. Because you you have options, uh, whether that's staying or leaving. Like like you said, you know, sitting down and talking to your family and everything like that. You need to make that decision for yourself. But at the end of the day, it does impact other people too, right? And yes. I think sitting down and having those discussions with people you trust is really important. Um, I think the bright side of the portal that I think gets lost on people sometimes uh, is that it doesn't necessarily mean guys are gone. Now... Usually it does right like I'm not I'm not uh, blind to this like usually guys go um but there you know there there's a world where like I said mahafi comes back where maybe Jameel Brown gets talked into coming back what have you uh, I don't necessarily foresee that happening uh, especially with with Brown I think at this point, but it, it can um and I think you know that is something Rhodes needs to kind of hit those guys up too right and be like, hey, yeah. let me tell you why we can make this work here because I will say uh the thought of evan mahafi in that one two one one press is very enticing right that kind of long athletic guard who can handle the ball yeah. um he's six seven like so one he's he's the kind of guy that that uh rhodes wants on offense but that with that press like what he'd recap it. right yeah. he would yeah he he is he is the kind of the exact kind of guy that you want to be involved in that press, to be putting pressure on teams and you're okay with him fouling a little bit. If that's still a little bit of an issue in those situations, Um, he forces turnovers, which is going to be, I would assume a a staple of Penn state teams now that Rhodes is there. Uh, But I think the biggest difference from now to 2011 is Penn state side of things here, right? Because, and and this is no, of no disrespect to Pat, but he was not exactly uh, invested in properly. And I think, you know, he would probably tell you the same, especially when he first got to Penn state, Um, they did not make a commitment to men's basketball. You guys were, were excellent in 2011 and the university didn't turn that into something else, right? They kind of let it fall by the wayside. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. And I can say that confidently because Mike Rhodes is going to make $3.4 million in his at a minimum in his first year as men's basketball coach. That is the most that they've ever paid a coach. Micah Shrewsbury was making less than 2 million last year. Um, now they had, you know made an offer to get him over four million had he stayed but still investing that much into the head coach and doing it over a seven-year period where he's getting a hundred thousand dollar raise every year it turns out to be a seven-year 25.9 million dollar deal I believe is the total terms again uh, don't hold me to that I don't do math Math. words (laughs) Uh, but the the investment level to me that is an obvious positive sign that Maybe it's not just the head coach they're going to invest in, and I wouldn't think it would be. Maybe it's the assistants. Maybe it's facilities. Maybe it's rallying donors to get NIL. And I think the money they're putting into roads is is a huge positive here.
1: Yeah. I'm glad about that. Now I'm, I'm glad he's able to. We were able to get someone, and spend the money to get them. And, I, you know, I, I hate to say it. I just don't want it to be like, you know what I mean? I want there to be more. This can't be the stopping point. Yeah, we put the money into the exactly. coach. Exactly. Right? And hey, well, we, we gave them 3.4 million dollars. Here it is. It's not. The, it's not the end. There has to be more. We have to continue. You have to continue to spend the money. You want the program to continue to grow and take off where it's going. You have to continue to spend money. You know. And, you know, I, I speak of it in NBA terms. You want the best players. You want championships. You know what you do? You go pay. You get Kevin Durant to go to Golden State. You pay Steph Curry. You play Klay Thompson. You play Draymond Green. Like you have to spend the money. And now you got. You know. So. And, Penn State can't stop here. And they have to continue from the AD, you know, president everybody, if they really want Penn State basketball to continue to take off and see what it all has to offer. Because I feel like, like you said, they did a disservice to that. And did a disservice to it. You know what I mean? And almost a disservice. And did a disservice
0: to the program as a whole. And you guys, too, by the way. Like, I don't want that to get lost in this, too. You guys weren't given as good of an opportunity as you should have had to succeed. Right. Right. And and again,
1: and like I said, now you have this opportunity and there's a lot of buzz. And I feel like. That's pushed, you know, these guys, Kraft and these guys to make bigger decisions because now it's the buzz. Everybody's starting to see it. Like in 2011, it was kind of like, oh, we kind of swept it underneath the rug. It left. We didn't know what was going on. And Pat comes. He taking over the ship. We never know what was going on. But now here it's out in the open. Like you said, it's the first time they've ever put a coach's contract out in the open. And from what I I remember, I I don't remember what Ed was making. I don't remember with Pat or Bear. This is the first time it's been put out in the open. So the pressure is on Kraft and these guys to be like, hey, what are we doing? Because, you know, well, how do we lose Shrewsbury and why are we not doing this? So are they putting this out in the open and say, hey, we're doing our part? But I'm coming to say, and I believe not, that's not all that needs to be done. There has to be more that needs to be done to continue to have the success that Penn State basketball needs and should have.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the interesting thing is I don't, you know, I think they probably would have put the contract out there anyways because this uh, administration has been more transparent. The, the Pat Craft administration, if you will, mm-hmm. has been more transparent than I think other others in the past of penn state which we know has been an issue right for the university and not disclosing that kind of information that is valuable to the public and everything um but i think there is maybe not they're not flexing over it but they're like they're showing right they want people to know hey we care right and Mm -hmm. but like you said that caring has to be followed up on it can't be the end point it has to be the starting point for all of it uh one thing i wanted to add though i think is really interesting when michael was hired in 2021 right uh I feel pretty confident saying that from talking to people, Mike Rhodes was someone that they would have liked to hire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Rhodes got a raise out of the situation, I believe, uh, but he did not come to Penn State. And I believe that it's because they could not offer him, you know, enough to pull him away from VCU. Um, So I think even that in comparison to now is a positive sign for the program that two years ago, they couldn't convince this guy to join Mm -hmm. Penn State. Now, here he is right like here he is taking the job taking it long term seven years is not a short amount of time right for a head coach uh it is in fact it's the same contract length of contract that shrewsbury signed at notre dame uh you know to to get locked up long term i i think this is i think this is the start i i tend to believe that this is going to be the beginning of the investment in the program and if it's not like They're going to get all the criticism they deserve, not Rhodes, because it is not his choice to invest in the program, but the people above him, the people making those decisions, the people putting the money and allocating it uh, where it needs to go. Uh, But I I think it would be hard to justify internally even right like being like, okay, we're going to put three point four million into this, however much on top of that for his staff. And that's it. Like, that's it. We're not going to do any more you know i think you have a hard time it's like you make the initial investment it's like well now we have to make sure it works right you right. have to make sure that it gets there because if it doesn't like they end up looking bad too right because it's like okay yeah why did and the you pay this down coach the drain yeah yeah the right money goes like down you're, you're it's why why were you paying the coach if you weren't willing to do more uh, right. and so i think all of the signs point to this being uh, a really really positive sign for penn state um, a really, really positive sign for Penn State men's basketball specifically. Um, there are other things that we can we've talked about a lot that are issues, and I think are always going to be issues. Looking at you, Bryce Jordan Center, uh, I think you know that is never going to be the ideal venue to play at. I'll be interested to see how often they you know maybe shift to Rec Hall for a few games under Roads. Uh, but I, I think him you know as as a candidate is the other important thing here, right? Because he's had success, and again, not in the front to Pat, not in the front to Ed, not in the front to anyone else. Not in a front to even Micah, but when was the last time, have we ever seen Penn State bring a coach in that had made NCAA tournaments consistently, right? Like Chambers made NCAA, I believe he made the NCAA tournament at NBA Boston U. in yeah. his last year there. Yeah, but but he was only there for two years, right? There was no opportunity to do it consistently. Um, you know, Micah was never a head coach at the Division One level, at the Division Two level, right? Like he was never a head coach anywhere above uh, D3IU South Bend. Uh, and so like they were taking a chance on him to me, this feels, I've seen other people call this, uh, high floor, low ceiling. I just kind of don't agree with that. I think Mike Rhodes does have a high floor because of the way they play that they're going to consistently, uh, be a good team. I don't necessarily think this is low ceiling though, right? Like I don't think, because I think that kind of misses the point of what Penn State men's basketball history is made the NCAA tournament three times this century, three, that's it. Mike Rhodes made it three times in the last five years. F- yeah, three times in the last five years at VCU, right? Like I think yeah. ju- expectations were justifiably raised with with Micah because it looked like okay, maybe this is like Sweet 16, maybe this is Elite Eight. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's those aspirations. But getting a coach that can consistently get you to the NCAA tournament is a major step forward for Penn State. Yeah. It's a huge plus because, like you
1: said, I mean, three years in and- – three times in the last decade or not decade and century. What did you say? You know, it's been, it's been yeah, forever. Yeah, century, since yeah, the turn of been, the century. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, it's been forever. And to be able to do it three times, and obviously it's an amazing accomplishment. You know, I was being able to part of it. Like you said, Rose has done this consistent, even when he wasn't a head coach, when he was in VCU coming every year at the final 14, but that they did under Shaka Smart. Even in Rice, he was able to, you know, do well, you know, and and, and now yeah. he's in where he, VCU this past couple of years where he's been able to, you know, make the tournament a good amount of good amount of, a good amount of times. And the biggest thing for us right now is to be consistent with what we do. And like you said, we can't you know every ten years make a tournament. So now when Rhodes comes in and he's able to make get the Penn State basketball team to go every year, every other year. That's still a huge stepping stone. Because now that all that stuff, now we start to see Penn State always in a tournament. You start to get the recognition. You start to get more calls in the Big Ten. You start to do this. You start to, you know, everything starts to rise. The recruits are more, are, are coming more because, hey, you know, at least I know I'm going to the tournament every year. And then we can make some noise. And so everything rises up. The Penn State basketball program continues to rise. Everybody else, everything else, the players, the NIL, everything continues to grow. And that's what Rhodes is. I'm sure that's what his, his, his goal is to do is continue to grow the program. Shrewsbury did a tremendous job. Ed did a job, got us to the tournament. Pat did his job. Everybody did their job. And now, you know, it, now it's Rose's turn. You know, he's he's taken over at a great point, at a great high point. You know, the, the the administration is backing him. And he has to do that. You know, obviously, he's got the situation going on with the team and the players. And obviously, we going to see how that works. You know, I don't know if he'll, you know, hopefully, I pray that he'll hit a home run this year and be able to get a good team rolling. But I understand, like, you know, man, there might be some type of, you know, downtime or just not. Just hard to be like, able to like get a, players like to be together, a, like a buffer you know? period, right? Yes, Where yes, he's got yes. A, like a
0: transition year, basically.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And the transition, same with Mike as well. You know, you know, he was able to do it, but we we have to see those flashes, and I think we'll see those flashes just because of how they play, You know, the the pressing, the up and down. You know, exactly what you know. NCAA, what makes NCAA makes playing in NCAA tournament teams fun during during March? That up and down, that big time shots, the three pointer steals and dunks. You know, we love to see that as, as fans. And that's what he's gonna bring and I'm excited to see it. But you know, I, I again I keep I keep harping on the part that hey, this can't be it. It's not all on rules. It has to be everybody else to be able to uh, put that part in, continue to put that part in to make this program take off and continue to take off.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, the the signs are there that he can do that, right? That he can, you know, and, and I I don't wanna put any expectations on this year's team mostly because we Why not know why not? because. <laughs> Well, because we don't know a single player that will be on the roster this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think once we figure that out, we can we can start to get into it a little bit. And yeah. I do think, though, I think there will probably be some guys from VCU that follow him. It happens at every school. Like we, yeah. like I said, we're watching it happen with Mike at Notre Dame. And he will probably get some guys on the portal, right? And so there is a world where maybe they're an NIT team next year. Maybe they win, like, 16, 17 games like Mike did his first year. And you can, like, yeah. see the signs I think that's the most important thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a fan, you want to see the signs that, okay, this is going to work. I don't know that it necessarily has to translate into postseason uh, appearance next year. I don't think that's the case. Un- unless, like, they hit home runs in the portal, and then, yes, you better believe they should make the NCAA right, right, tournament. Right, right. But it's still too early to make that, that kind of determination. Uh, that being said, there are, like, things, I think, uh, as a coach, that he needs to show improvement with to-, to get Penn State where it wants to go. Those defenses are awesome. But... Yeah. Offensively, the his best ranked offense according to Ken Palm was 122 in his six years at VCU. Right, you want to see that be better. Uh, yeah. They don't shoot a ton of threes. I think you want to see that rate go up. Right, there's a little little bit too much mid range game. I think for the the modern game and the way it's played, um, you know. So I think that'll be interesting to see how much the offense changes. I will say, uh, former Penn State great Joe Crispin being added to the staff, uh, as I was able to confirm yesterday. Uh, I think that is a a real positive sign he has had at d3 rowan university some really awesome offenses when he's been there uh i think he's there for the last six years um now he's not going to be you know one of the uh, main assistant coaches but he will be able to do coaching he just won't be able to to go out and recruit or anything but still like having him in the room uh to bounce ideas off of you know someone that's willing to be creative someone that's willing to push the pace and and get the kind of shots that you want i think that's a positive sign right and something that maybe he can help uh he can help Rhodes grow too as a coach and and be better offensively so you know I do think that there is need for improvement on offense that being said uh, a real good way to create offense is by having an Steals. awesome defense yeah and getting those turnovers constantly and putting pressure on the other team uh, and and frankly like I know the Big Ten is known for having like good ball handlers and guys who don't turn it over it's also known for for doing that because nobody pressures the ball, right? Like yep. nobody is getting in your face, 96 feet, like in, and, and making you make decisions quickly. I actually think big 10 teams are known for putting like one ball handler on the court at a time uh, and not having multiple guys that can kind of bring it up. And so now that's changing. Obviously we're seeing more teams, especially like Michigan state has a bunch of guys that can control the ball. Penn state was like that last year. Um, the more you have guys like that, the better. I think Penn state will probably have a bunch of guys who can handle the ball. They will have a bunch of guys who can pressure the ball. And if the other team doesn't have that, the other team doesn't have guys that can that can bring it up. I think Penn State is going to uh, wreak some havoc—no pun intended—with his havoc defense. Uh, and and you know, I don't know about you, but like, I don't know that the Big Ten is ready for for that much ball pressure, right? Like, I, I know it's changed since you've played, but still, like, it's if like it might be the conference moving slowest in when it comes to like evolution of the game in the country, and and I think that is going to be a place where he and his teams can take major advantage. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's uh,
1: the same way like Micah. You know what I mean? Uh, The way he transformed that team, he built that team. Hey, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. We're going to rebound. We're going to push. We're going to shoot a bunch of threes. And we're going to continue to shoot a bunch of threes. You had not see that in the Big Ten in a long time. Yeah, you had teams that shot a lot of good threes. And they had great knockdown shooters. But to say, hey, we're going to take a three before we take a layup. And that's how how I believe Shrewsbury's team was. And it's something new. And it was something different. And it forced other teams in the Big Ten to, to adjust to that. And I think now when you bring Rhodes in, and he and he brings his VCU the press and all that type of stuff. That's going to force other teams to adjust to that. Like you said, they're not used to having two ball handlers on the court. Well, now we got to have two ball handlers on the court. Now we don't have a, a backup point guard now because we got both of them on the court at the same time because we can't get through the press. Um, I, I wanted to go back and say the the hire for Joe Prisman, I I I completely applaud that because Joe, when I got there, was a great mentor to me. Uh, he, he wasn't a, he wasn't at Penn State, but he all, when he came to games and he, he sought me out in the summer, just helping me out, just teaching me because you know some of the some pro stuff as well, and just being around what he did. You you have to realize, hey man, Joe was one of the first to do it. You know, I mean, take teams to the tournament, and you know, I, I think they went to the tournament I'm not sure. But yeah, be it was a to... two
0: thousand one team. You know, yeah, was yeah. the the first one in the three yes. uh,
1: this century. Yes, yeah, so it was it, it was it was very special to to be able to get the knowledge from him. So I think. Having his knowledge is going to be is going to be essential to this team as well. And obviously, what Rose has done, the pros that he's had come out of there when he's been around, the pros he's been around FVCU as well. So to be able to have that and be able to experience that and share that to the, these players and the new players coming in is going to go is going to go whirlwind for these guys, especially in recruits and what they need is to understand like, hey, man, Penn State is able to produce pros. Penn State is able to go to the NCAA tournament. Penn State has won the NIT, if that's the case. And we talk about the first year, but our ultimate goal is to make the NCAA tournament and to make some noise we already we made one we won one game why not win two why not go sweet 16 why not go for there and that's the ultimate goal and I just think he has the the blueprint for because he's been there before he's seen it with his own eyes and he's bringing in guys like Joe as well to have that Penn State flavor or still be part of something that he's not just completely letting everyone else go and starting over from scratch he's having somebody that's been there that's done that as well that's put on the blue and white uniform and it's gonna and that's gonna help is it's, it's tremendous and i and i applaud him for that i think joe's gonna be great for uh this team and even in the future for his coaching his coaching uh career
0: yeah and uh, you know you talk to a lot of people they all uh talk about how smart joe is and how good yes. of a basketball mind he is uh but uh, you touched on something there at the end of that i think is really important too uh bringing in the guy that kind of knows the university and knows the lay of the land right mm-hmm. uh someone that's been around like you said when your teams he was always around like It's important to have that guy to help you make that transition because Mike Rhodes is from Pennsylvania, but he's not been at Penn State before. And it can be difficult to navigate a new university when you don't know it at all, especially one that I think um, is as institutionally different as Penn State, right? Like things just work differently here. Yeah. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but they are different. Uh, And, you know, they – uh, I think that is an adjustment, and I think having Joe here will will really help with that adjustment. It'll put him in a position to succeed, uh, meaning Joe, because it'll give him an opportunity to continue moving up the ladder. But it'll also put Mike Rhodes in a position to succeed, right? Because mm-hmm. now he knows more. Now he knows how to handle things. Now he knows how to maybe the okay, hey, you need to go talk to donors X, Y, and Z, you know, because they'll help the program out. And you know, when you want to yeah. fundraise, like, you know, these are the people that you need to donate and. You know, uh, that money, by the way, from donors is is crucial with NIL because that's where yeah. that money's got to come from. Um, and so I think that is going to be important. Uh, I think the thing I'm most excited to follow right now is who they get in the portal. Right. Because like I said, three guys right now, three. <laughs> that means there are 10 scholarships open. Uh, and so there could be a lot of uh, turnover, will be a lot of turnover, I should say, next year. And I think we're going to see in the next week, next two weeks, next three weeks, it's really going to develop and the roster is really going to take shape. And I think, you know, the, uh, the front office nerd inside me is always like enthralled by things like that. Right. Like I love the off season in sports because you get, I'm sure it's very much stressful from your end of things, right. Mm-hmm. Being the guy that's that, the that life is up in the air, but from a thousand feet away, like I just get to enjoy it. I'm like, Oh, look at that. Like, look at this move, look at that move. And like, so this is part of that and the, the tracking it, you get a, getting getting a hold of guys as they're visiting, finding out guys are visiting. It's, you know, that part of the job is, is fun to me and, and you know, trying to uh, see what the roster is going to look like. But I am looking forward to uh, those discussions between you and I about what this is going to look like is like, you know, maybe in a week there's like six guys and maybe in two weeks there's nine guys and then suddenly they have a full roster and they're looking at summer workouts and everything already. Uh, but it's exciting, right? I think Penn State fans, That's that's the biggest thing, I think. Mm-hmm. I know some were not happy with this hire because they wanted – uh Penn State to hire Jay Wright and I again I hate Let's to be the bear you. of bad news <laughs> Jay Wright was never coaching Penn State men's basketball not in a million years uh it is it just wasn't going to happen I don't want to uh, say I never say never
1: but it, it was but gonna I'm, I'm gonna go it's ahead gonna and say never now on
0: that one. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say never on that one uh, but the uh the this choice hiring Mike Rhodes I was I don't want to say skeptical of it I, I think the athletic department swung bigger at first and you know that, that's not any search. Uh, I don't think they settled for Mike Rhodes, though, to be mm-hmm. clear. I think they have a good candidate who can help this program take the next step because I think the assumption was that the next step was like Sweet 16s and Elite 8s. No, the next step is consistently making the NCAA tournament, yes. making sure it's not a one-off, right? You have mm-hmm. to get there before you can go further, and I think getting there is a good step, and I think it's one that he's going to take. Uh, mm-hmm. I I said this on uh, Steve Jones' radio show yesterday. I'll say it now, too. Like I think he's going to make them a consistent NCAA tournament team. I think they're going to make it every year, maybe not this first year, maybe not even the second year, but I do think the second year they probably will, uh, depending on what the roster looks like. But I think starting in year two or three, this is going to be a consistent NCAA tournament team because of the way he plays, the way he coaches, the way he has his players play, the way he coaches. Uh, And frankly, I don't know how you could ask for much more at this point because, again, three teams in the last 23 years have made it, Uh, and this is like –
1: I don't know if I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he was a fallback guy, like you said. You mentioned that they tried to get him two, three years ago. You know what I mean? So you yeah. wanted this guy. You know, it's not a fallback guy. I think he was on a list of candidates, and you know what I mean. I think he was the best candidate at the time. I, I'm sure maybe they swung for the fences and they might have missed some guys or you know guys signed back to Texas. Ronnie Terry went back to Texas. I'm not even sure he was on the list or not. But you know, just yeah, he in was. So
0: I know he was someone they had interest in. But once yeah. they made the Elite Eight, nobody was getting yeah. Ronnie Terry other than yeah, Texas. right. Like that was just right. over. Yeah, right. So, and I, you know, I don't I mean, even know, to be clear, that they wanted him more than Rhodes. I just know that right, right. he was someone that they liked.
1: Right. And I, and I don't see that this as, like you said, it wasn't a fallback guy. I think they got the guy that they wanted. I think he's going to bring a much-needed, continuous buzz that Shrewsbury did to the program. And he's going to continually, you know, our fingers crossed, and what you and I both believe, and I think a lot of people believe, the front office believe, that he's going to bring consistent NCAA tournament appearances. and And, I, and at the end of the day, that's what gets you Sweet 16s. That's what gets you Elite Eight. when you're going to the tournament each and every year. So it's experience. You know, a lot. yes, there are going to be teams like, you know, even this year. Who even knew the, the, the four teams now that, that we – nobody's practically picked those four teams to be Definitely there. not me. Right. So – but I, I do believe when teams start to go to the tournament, the experience of, hey, we've been here before. We've been to the travel. We've been to this. You know, and I think that's what builds teams to get you to Elite 8 and Final Four teams teams that have done that with, Hey man, I've been going to determine the last three years Mark. you know what I mean? So this is nothing. And I think when he's able to do that now, you know what I mean? I'm praying soon and I think it will be soon that we'll start to see the consistency of, of getting better each year. Well, with well, this team went, you know, around 32, sweet 16, and next elite eight on a four, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you're right. And I think it's gotta be incremental. You gotta take the steps. And I think they're currently on the right path, uh, His introductory press conference of course today I'm sure we'll talk about that next time that is going to be interesting to hear what he has to say about the roster situation about NIL and everything like that Uh, but I think for now that's a good place to leave it you can find Tim on Twitter at Tim Fraze 23 find me on Twitter at John Sauber you can find uh, this podcast wherever you're listening right now uh, you can find it on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten on Instagram on uh, Twitter at Beyond the Big Ten thanks for tuning in have a great day see you Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders. Our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.